Hello and welcome back to Pastor Merritt's Old Testament Overview Lesson Number 34. For those using the outline, we will be starting at the bottom third of page 4 at point 2.27. But before we begin, let us remember 1 John 1.9 as may or may not be necessary. Old Testament Overview, lesson number 34. I'm going to back up just a couple of verses before we start at 2.27 to Galatians chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, because we're talking about the Bible and you know how you're supposed to study and read. Galatians 1, 8 and 1, 9. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that, which we have preached to you, let them be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. 2.27 The reason for this special caveat is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 14 and 15, and they read, and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. 2.28 The power of Satan, therefore, is so great we as humankind without Bible doctrine, cannot tell from whom any messenger comes. As believers, we will one day be able to make such judgments when we receive our new natures, mind and body, in phase 3. Matthew chapter 7, verse 22 and 23. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. 2.29 This is the reason why all extra-biblical revelation is a no-no. Christians need to devote time learning what we have, not what we don't have. 2.30 Paul recognized this necessary change in church aid modus operandi long before any of the other apostles. This is because of God's grace, even though he did labor more than the rest. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, 
which was with me. 2.31 Scripture is exhaled by God to the writers of the Word. Scripture is said to be Theonuptos, or God-breathed, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, and it reads, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. 2.32 Hebrews 1, 1 and 2 tells us the Old Testament is just as inspired as the New Testament. These verses also teach we now have our revelation in the work and revelation of Christ. 2.33 We should also compare Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 and 2 with 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 16, 1 Peter 4.1, Romans 12.2, and Philippians 2.5. And here we go. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 and 2. God, who at various times and in different ways spoke in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, who he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now let's return to Abram's visit with the kings of Salem and Sodom, respectively. 2.34 The king of Salem stood for God. The king of Sodom stood for the lust of the flesh. Abram knew Melchizedek was a prophet of God and that the king of Sodom was an unbeliever. Like Job, the Pharaoh, king of Gerar, and many Ninevites, Melchizedek was an example of an Old Testament Gentile receiving revelation from God. 2.35 The king of Salem is the second of Melchizedek's titles. He is the perfect type of the priesthood of Christ. Psalms chapter 110 verse 4. 2.36 after the battle with the four kings, God sends the priest of righteousness and peace to crown Abram. He offers Abram bread and wine and blesses him. 2.37 Bread is the symbol of life. 
John chapter 6, verses 47 to 51. Wine is the symbol of joy. Psalms chapter 104, verse 15. These are the accomplishments of Salem's blessing of peace. John chapter 6, verse 47 to 51. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness, and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Psalms chapter 104 verse 15. The Lord giveth wine that maketh glad the heart of man, and oil to make his face to shine, and bread which strengtheneth man's heart. 2.38 And when they are given by the one who is both king of righteousness and king of peace, they are given in royal fashion. Such a king priest can do no less. 2.39 The king of kings came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. John chapter 10, verse 10 and 11. And spoke to us that our joy might be full. From John chapter 15, verse 11. So John chapter 10, verse 10 reads, The thief cometh not, but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. In verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. 2.39.1 Sheep do not have any means of protecting themselves and are vulnerable to thieves and attacks by predatory animals. 2.39.2 The thieves represent the scribes and future hired guns occupying pulpits in the church age. The Lord teaches they have no interest in protecting the sheep. 2.39.3 Christ, in contrast, came as the good shepherd, who was willing even to give his life for the sheep in order that they might have an abundant life. John chapter 15, verse 11 these things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. 2.39.4 Contrary to many hump-shouldered Christians walking around suffering for Jesus, or so they think, we are to be happy and rejoice in Him. 39.5 In fact, as our prototype, Jesus himself was happy, and so should we be also. 2.39.6 We indeed are commanded to share the happiness of God. John chapter 15 verse 11, and it reads, These things have I spoken unto you, that my happiness might remain in you, and that your joy and happiness might be full. 
2.39.7 Jesus likewise gave us the example of John 17.13, and it reads, And now come I to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. 2.40 We of the church age know the symbols of the bread and the wine, the two representing the body and blood of our Lord, and we symbolically feed upon them in the communion service. 2.41 The king of Salem is revealed to be a priest. This is highly significant, for throughout the long period from Moses to Christ, priests were forbidden to reign and kings were forbidden to exercise the functions of the priest. 41.1 This is taught first anecdotally in 1 Samuel chapter 13 verses 8 through 14 and then later by the exilic prophet Zechariah. A quick review is in order. 1 Samuel chapter 13 verse 8 to 14 Saul waited seven days, the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Jigal, and Saul's men began to scatter. So he said, Bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up the burnt offering. Just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived, and Saul went out to greet him. What have you done? asked Samuel. Saul replied, When I saw that the men were scattering, and that you did not come at the set time, and that the Philistines were assembling in Michmash, I thought, Now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. You acted foolishly, Samuel said. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him leader of his people, because you have not kept the Lord's command. Zechariah chapter 4 verse 14 Then said he, These are the two anointed ones that stand by the Lord of the whole earth. 2.41 The two sons pressed out as oil, as the Hebrew says, or two anointed ones, as the KJV translates, has a near-term meaning and a far-term meaning. 4.1.3 the near term is Joshua and Zerubbabel, who stand in the gap until the Lord Jesus returns. 4.1.4 In the far term, the two sons represent Christ ruling in the millennium as both the political and spiritual leader of the world. 4.1.5 As the golden candlestick symbolizes Israel, as the light bearer to the nations, so the two olive trees represent two offices, their kingship 
and priesthood through which blessing would flow. 4.1.6 Israel was originally and in fact is now being urged by these visions to be the light bearer to the nations. We know in Old Testament times she did not so perform. It was God's intent for her to be that light bearer and both Zechariah and Haggai are exhorting Israel to become what God intended them to be. 4.1.7 From our vantage point, we not only know they failed in their Old Testament role, but we also know Israel will actually be a light bearer in her millennial restoration. Thus, we see in the vision a twofold meaning. 4.1.8 The two offices of king and priest, Zerubbabel and Joshua, respectively, prefigure the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, in his millennial role as both king and priest, from Psalms chapter 110, verses 1 through 7. Who will sit and rule upon his throne? And he shall be a priest upon his throne. That's from Zechariah chapter 6, verse 13. So, Psalms chapter 110, verse 1 through 7 read, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand, until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power, in the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning. Thou hast the dew of thy youth. The Lord hath sworn, and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord at thy right hand shall strike through kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the heathen. He shall fill the places with the dead bodies. He shall wound the heads over many countries. He shall drink of the brook in the way. Therefore shall he lift up the head. Zechariah chapter 6 verse 13. Even he shall build the temple of the Lord, and he shall bear the glory and shall sit and rule upon his throne. And he shall be a priest upon his throne, and the council of peace shall be between them both. 2.42 The absolute separation of religion and the state is an old and staid biblical principle. Only one is capable of being both priest and king, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he has chosen us to be kings and priests before him. From 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, and it reads, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should shew forth the praises of him who hath called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. 2.43 the name in Genesis chapter 14, verse 18, the Most High of God, is remarkable 
because it occurs four times in this paragraph. Its first use in the scripture, the Hebrew, El Elyon, means the highest God. Genesis chapter 14, verse 18 through 22. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God, El Elyon. And he blessed them and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he gave him tithes of all. And the king of Sodom said unto Abram, Give me the persons, and take the goods to thyself. And Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lift up mine hand unto the Lord, the Most High God, the Possessor of heaven and earth. 2.44 All the gods of the nations are idols, and behind these idols are demons, but our God is the being who is supreme. 2.45 It is significant that God revealed himself to Melchizedek, a Gentile. In fact, Melchizedek was called a priest of the Most High God. 2.46 Abram was to be blessed by this priest, who was not of Aaron's priesthood, but was a picture of the eternal priesthood of the Lord Jesus. All of this before Aaron was even a twinkle in his daddy's eye. 2.47 before Aaron, the high priest, and before Saul's Israel's first king, and before Christ, who will be both king and priest, comes this unique and marvelous revelation of Melchizedek, as a type of Christ who is both king and priest without lineage. But rather, he, like Christ, earned his kingship and priesthood. 2.48 Genesis chapter 14, verse 19. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. 2.49. He blessed him. When we are empty, we need to be filled. At the end of a day of battle, the Lord comes with his provision. The Lord's provision of refreshment comes from various sources. 2.49.1 When doctrine is exchanged, there comes a refreshment to both the teacher and the student. 2.49.2 King Saul was refreshed by the Psalms of David. 1 Samuel chapter 16 verse 23 Whenever the Spirit from God came upon Saul, David would take his harp and play. Then relief would come to Saul. He would feel better, and the evil spirit would leave him. 2.49.3 The analogy of a water boy bringing cool water from the mountain streams to refresh his master is used of doctrine. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 13. Like the coolness of snow at harvest time is a trustworthy messenger to those who send him. 
he refreshes the spirit of his masters. 2.49.4 Paul gets refreshed from teaching positive believers. Romans chapter 15, verse 31 and 32. Pray that I may be rescued from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service in Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints there, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and together with you be refreshed. 2.50 Men of faith will fight battles in the devil's world of darkness, but when the conflict is over, the bread and wine of the king of righteousness and peace will fill his needs. 2.51 It is striking to see this solitary figure, the king of Salem, standing between Abram and God, bringing down a stream of blessing upon Abram and sending up a stream of worship. 2.52 The downward blessing from God's grace touches us with provisions for life and happiness. We cannot give God anything. 52.1 His being requires the acknowledgement of his worth, and knowing of his value can only come by knowing him. Knowledge of God comes only from the intake of the word, his mind. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16 for who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, Arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. 2.53 The Lord told the woman at the well that the Father seeks true worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. It is almost pathetic that God has to hunt out among believers those who will do what he wants. And that's the end of lesson number 34 of the Old Testament Overview. It's been my pleasure to present this to you today, and I look forward to being with you next time. If there's anyone out there without Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, remember, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. So long.